From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back, everyone, to The Dairy Show. I'm your host, Katie Schmidt. And joining me this week to talk about technology in dairy is none other than Aiden Connolly. So welcome to the show, Aiden. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, if listeners follow along in the tech space, they've probably heard your name floated through conversations. But for our listeners who don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and give a little bit of background on who you are? Absolutely. Um, I My name is Aidan Connolly, as you can tell from my North Carolina accent. I actually live in North Carolina, but not quite the accent. I uh, grew up in Ireland, worked with a company called Alltech. They moved me all over the world. So lived in France and Brazil and traveled to over 100 countries. Got involved with AgTech, became the CEO of a company called Caintus that does uh, camera recognition of cows. And I also invest in help uh, startups in wide variety of agri-businesses, ag tech, so milk analytics, different types of uh, products for crops. And so lots of, it's an exciting area at the moment. And um, in my spare time, I write for Forbes and teach at three universities. So it's, it's, been, it's been pretty quiet, really, pretty quiet. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of spare time. And in your spare time, you also helped organize the Global Dairy Tech Startup Spotlight last fall that expo indoors that um, yeah. you were involved with and helped organize. But do you want to tell listeners a little bit about what that was and some of those companies that we featured during that? Absolutely. So the World Dairy Expo, obviously, is the preeminent event of its kind in the world. Um, I don't need to tell your listeners. Well, I hope I don't. But honestly, having um, in my 30-year career and having visited lots of countries and never saw anything like it, very disappointed when it was not on last year for good reasons. And uh, particularly because a lot of these tech startups have ideas and innovations that I think could help make dairy farming much more profitable. So I approached the World Dairy Expo and said, if I held an event, would you, you know, would you endorse it? And they said, yes, they would very kindly. Somebody did ask me what was in it for me. And I said, a pain in the um, pain in the rear, rear, rear behind. <laughs> it, so it, was, it turned out to be a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Some of the startups were... Uh, like Caintus, we're using cameras for cows. Others were using sensors for milk. So looking at the levels of somatic cells and progesterone or indicators of fertility through milk. Another one was growing uh, feedstuff on manure. So you grow this uh, kind of algae plant on the manure and then feed it back to the cows, which is great, very uh, good for the environment and good for use of the manure. And um, we had another one which uh, provides sensors for both in the milking parlors, but also for the feed uh, mixing wagons. Uh, and then uh, another one that has a kind of an app that tells you whether you're making money or not. So it was, um, there were 10 startups all pitched uh, their ideas primarily, as I've mentioned, to producers. And there were another, I don't know, 30, 40 companies that wanted to be on the program. So it's, it's just a very dynamic space at the moment, very dynamic place, and um, a lot of great, great ideas, a lot of great companies trying to get traction. So with the wide variety that we're seeing, what do you think is the area that has the most potential for growth or for the largest impact in, say, 10 years or even 20 years? Oh, my God. Well, I suppose 10 years for you is okay. For me, 10 years seems like a long, long, long way away. <laughs> um 
I, I think it's hard to imagine what dairy farms will look like in 10 years time uh, just because there's so much happening. Um, we understand that today robotics are coming in. So the level or numbers of cows being robotically milked is still quite small in the United States, but it's double what it would have been 12, 18 months ago. We see a lot of, com a lot of farms using sensors, so collars, ear tags, on the, the legs, on the tail, even in the rumen, uh, you know, measuring uh, the breakdown of fiber in the rumen. Those, those are out there and obviously being, some of them being backed by very large organizations as well. A lot of the animal health companies have become involved. And, and I think producers are really getting the value from them, particularly this, I'd say below a thousand cows. If they're below a thousand cows, they get a lot of value from them. The larger farms are struggling a bit more with the sensor technology. I think there's a lot of interest in um, in cameras. Caintus is getting started. There are two or three more companies out there. There's one in Russia, one in China. But the idea that you just put camera systems up and use artificial intelligence, and I think artificial intelligence for me is the technology that's the most transformative, the most exciting, the most interesting. Uh, but aside from that, 3D printing, art augmented reality, so your Google Glasses type of thing, virtual reality, I mean, it's just, it's like a, a flood, it's a deluge or a, a tsunami of technology arriving. And a lot of it's very cool. And I, I certainly think that, again, when I think 10 years out, the dairy farms will be bigger, they'll have less people, and uh, they'll be using a lot of these technologies to, to give a kind of transparency that consumers are demanding. So what do you think are the strongest forces then that are pushing this technology forward? Well, as always, number one is making money. So people who try and use these technologies are not trying to be at the forefront for social media. The shiny new paint you know, syndrome of, oh, my, my combine, my tractor is cleaner, better than my neighbors. They are looking to make money and profitability is the number one driver. Profitability comes from getting more milk out of your cows, producing milk with less feed, I'm excited by what it can do for welfare and for climate change. Um, I appreciate these aren't always the funnest topics to talk about on a farm because it feels like people are using a stick to beat us with. But honestly, if you can measure that a cow has spent an extra hour lying down, that means more milk, but it also means a better carbon footprint. It also means better welfare. If we can show the spending less time standing, less lameness, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So all these things I think are, I almost see it as a triangle connected part of welfare, environment and productivity, they come together and the technologies can help, can help with all of those. And, and for me, aside from that, uh, I, I like to talk not about consumers, but prosumers. Uh, these are consumers who have a very proactive approach to how, what they eat, what they choose to buy at the store. And I think aside from buying based on aspirations and what they want to tell their neighbors they're doing. I think they're also very influential in social media. And I think that technology allows us to engage and give them some of the answers to some of the trickier questions they're asking, where we have good answers, but the technology allows us to answer it better. What are some of those questions that they're asking? There are a lot of them. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I know everybody wonders where I find the time to do all this, but usually I, I surround myself with smarter people than me. And I had one and I said to him, would he look through the websites of the top 50 food companies of the world and find out what they want farmers to do? 
not now, but now and in the future. We, keep, we came back with a lot of questions. There was one Dutch uh, food company that was asking 300 questions from their farmers about where food, how food is produced on the farm. We drilled it down into 80. And within the 80, there were some really quite interesting, I mean, there's the basics of how you treat your animals, how you treat your workers, do you use child labor? But then they say, but did, did your supplier use child labor? Did the supplier of your supplier use? I mean, those are, that gets trickier. Uh, recycling, plastics. What do you do with uh, old equipment on the farm? Water usage, uh, carbon footprint we've mentioned already. Um, so, so th and, and then uh, do you include anything in it? So do you add anything to your milk? Not just water, you know, other stuff. Do you add, uh, how do you collect data on your workers? How do you collect data on your, on, on your farm? What, how do you store the data? Where is so it's, it's really interesting. It wasn't, I wouldn't say there was anything that shocked me within it. But it's just as clear that farming and food production is going to be more complicated as we move forward. And we should be prepared for a lot of the questions we're going to get. Assuming that farmers need to, or thinking that farmers should be implementing technology to help answer some of those questions moving forward, what's the easiest step into adding technology onto farms? So what's the place where there's the most potential for, for additional profitability for a producer? I think that uh, clearly they should focus on themselves first. And I, I don't mean to say that in a bad way. I just mean make sure that what you're using is going to make money for you. Make sure it's going to make it in a reasonable period of time. I think you have to look at capital outlay. Uh, some of these systems, including the robotics and the sensors and the, um, and the other ideas that you hear about, they require you putting a lot of money up front. I, I met a producer in California, just spent half a million on a new technology. Another one in Wisconsin, $300,000. These are not small amounts of money in a situation where feed prices are going up and, and already the milk price is kind of you know stable, uh, maybe may, uh, may, may increasing a little bit. But it, it's, you've got to be careful with your capital outlay. You've got to be careful with your cost benefits. How quickly will you get it back? I'd like to think the pieces I've just mentioned are going to come, but they're also the icing on the cake. It's, it's good to be able to answer these questions. Technology should help us with that, but that shouldn't be the motivator. I think the motivator should be, I made more money on my farm by using this technology, and therefore you're prepared for the future. There are small things that are worth seeing. I asked somebody which robot company they were working with, and they told me, and I said, why did you choose them? And he was in uh, the Midwest, and he said, because the service person is at th lives three miles from the farm. Yeah, you know, actually, that's a very good idea because your robots will need servicing. People uh, also need to look at the how long it is before the battery runs out or how long it is before the next generation technology comes along. So some of those things that future proof, I'd call it, uh, where you go with tech afterwards, don't be frightened of it. it, it, it it's coming, but it really it, it provides an awful lot of benefits and, and uh, particularly working for Caintus, I've seen a lot of that, that, that those are the forefront that use this technology faster, do reap the benefits of doing so. So you've been in the industry for, I think you said 30 years now. What's the biggest thing or biggest piece of technology that you've seen impact the industry since, since you started doing all of this? D Daring is interesting because, you know, glass half empty, glass half full. Some days I think, wow, such changes we made. And then sometimes I'm reading books about the beginning of farming 8,000 years ago, and I think, 
hasn't changed that much. Still involves somebody milking a cow, still involves watching the cow to see how they're behaving, still involves feeding them at the right time, still involves wondering what's happening in the night while you're asleep. So we have definitely, of course, the automatic milkers. We have, of course, uh, more understanding about nutrition. We do see the robots have been a big thing. They, again, maybe have their place in certain types of farms more than other types of farms. But I don't think we've made as huge leaps, the, the biggest leaps that we could have. Um, I wrote a piece for one of the magazines, um, the dairy magazines, called um, Donald Rumsfeld Should Have Been a Farmer. And I said that because, you know, Donald Rumsfeld very famously said there were known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. And I think there was a fourth one. And I said, we're really dealing with a lot of unknown unknowns because when you feed a cow, you maybe feed her feed and you feed her forage and you feed her hay. And, but we don't, do we know the moisture of the, 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 the overall diet? Do you know how well it's been mixed? Do we understand? So fair number of unknowns. Do we know what happens in the cow, in the rumen? When you put two, three feeds together, quite often we, we know the digestibility of the corn, the bean meal. We know digestibility of, but you know what happens when it's all mixed together because that changes it completely. Um, milk composition, how often do we really measure milk production? How often do we measure the fat, the protein, somatic cells in the milk? Sadly, um, quite often we're looking at rearview mirror, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of these imprecisions and unknowns are there. We know that if you were to take the highest producing cow that we've had and she was to produce milk for the world, uh, nine, we, we would only need 4% of the cows that we have at the moment. So instead of having 100 million productive cows or 275 million total dairy cows in the world, we'd need something around about 8 million, 10 million. That just shows you where the gap is between our genetic potential to produce milk and what we're doing at the moment. And technology allows us to, to bridge that gap. And I'm, I'm guessing that some of that technology is going to come from startups too. So what are some of the startups that you're watching right now or involved with that are making kind of some waves or some some impacts in the industry yeah i don't don't especially want to name startups because then i'll get phone calls from the ones i didn't name uh the ones that were the ones that were on the the um the last uh, last year's event uh companies such as cages who i work for milk milc summit detect zisk labby uh phyto uh, these were all great, great startups, and um, I think that they're worth supporting. Please understand when you're working with a startup that they don't have all the answers. They, many of these companies that were on, they know dairy, but they don't know all the answers. And so you're, you're working through with them. Um, I, I used to, before you know, working with Cainters, I worked with lots of dairy farms, but I had this impression that it was a relatively uniform industry. Now you're putting cameras into barns and you're realizing every barn is different. <laughs> Even sometimes on the same farm, you have a barn which uh, doesn't quite. And I said to somebody, so you built two that way and you built another one this way. Why? He said, oh, we're running out of time and we could get one of these quickly. And I wanted it. I need. I had the cows. I need. So decision taken six years ago that implications continue. But um, the piece I would counsel or, or recommend uh, advise producers is just be aware sometimes the best ideas come from kids that grew up in cities who were never on a farm it doesn't make them dumb it doesn't make them wrong you can help them 
and they can help you. But it is a two-way street. Clearly, if you're dealing with a large animal health company like a Merck or Zoetis, Boringer, or you're dealing with a Cargill, or you're dealing with an Alltech, or you're dealing with a, a Lely or Delaval, you expect them to come with the answers. And, and Caintus is a big startup, so it comes with answers. But uh, many of these startups don't have the answers and just, just be prepared for that. So how can producers help them find the answers? What, what role can they play in that? You're, you're probably not going to like me saying this, but it's um, become a test site for, for the technology. Find If you see something online and you like the idea and you think it's exciting and you're prepared to do it, just you know, write to them, call them up, tell them, look, if you're looking for some place to test it out, come and see us. And it will provide you with a lot of work, but I think it also gives you some energy. It's, it's giving back. You know, it is a, it's a practical way of giving back to the industry and to the world. And frankly, if the technology works, of course, you reap the benefits of, uh, of having more efficient, um, more, more, a more profitable farm. Speaking of test farms, I saw an article in Hordes on Caintus that you guys were out at Maddox Dairy in California. And tell me about that. Like how, what does Caintus do? What does the product look like? How are you helping farms like the Maddox farm? Yeah, what Caintus does is pretty extraordinary. And Maddox has had the patience because they've been working with us for over five years. So they saw it when it had the promise. Sometimes they talk about uh, in marketing, as you know, the, uh, the sizzle and the sausage. Well, they, were, they bought the sizzle. You know, they, they helped build the sausage, but they bought the sizzle. Um, in, in the case of uh, what we do today, we put cameras into barns. They're relatively specialized cameras, but we don't make the cameras. We buy them from the famous camera companies of the world. They, it takes a fisheye view of the barn so it can see the feed alleyway and see all of the cows all of the time. By using artificial intelligence, they turn those pictures into data. The data then becomes, tells you what time feed was delivered, what time feed was cleaned away, what time feed was pushed up to the minute. So it's a time stamped to the minute. A push up took place at 12.35 in the morning in pen number 36. So that's very valuable. Uh, the second product that won the award at the World Ag Expo in um, which was also held virtually this year in California. And that one is looking at the behavior of the cows. So it's measuring how much time the cows are lying down, standing up, drinking, feeding, and uh, actually can distinguish between perching and, and lying. So if the cow's in the bed, it's not just that she's in the bed, but she's actually lying down properly, which is when you get extra better digestion. Uh, an extra hour of lying time is produce will give you almost three, three to four pounds of extra milk. So you can measure these things and then make decisions about bedding, flow of the farm, maybe how long the, the, the bed is, and, and our other decisions. We've even spotted things relating to lockups, et cetera. So the, the value of the system is, number one, on making sure that feed is available for the cows. That's 60% of the cost of your milk today. And number two, that the cows are behaving in a, in a normal way. And um, we have seen farms that have increased milk production by five pounds uh, per cow per, per day. So, you know, it, it, it's a very clear cost benefit uh, to, to, to use these systems and to use it to inform how you manage your cows. Now, I imagine that startups and, and new things like this start as one idea and then slowly take shape and, and develop into something like it is today. So what did 
can't just start as as an idea. What was the initial goal of the company or of the technology? Well, it started with terrorists, believe it or not. Well, there you go. You didn't see that one coming. So the founder was working for the British government on uh, recognition systems for terrorists at airports, went home to the farm. His dad's a dairy nutritionist and said, basically, have you ever thought about looking at cows? Uh, I hadn't realized there were good cows and bad cows. No, that's not true. That's just, I'm just kidding. But uh, started to recognize the cows, drilled into facial recognition of cows and other recognition of cows. That, that created an awful lot of data and it was a hard system to manage. So it came back to something a little bit more uh, nuts and bolts, which was just recognizing feed, still extremely complicated, and then scaled it from there. Sometimes I think it's a little bit like a funnel. So you start with one, one idea and then gradually you start thinking about more and more ideas. And then at some stage you put a manager in, which was me, <laughs> who said, okay, we now have 64 ideas, but are we doing them? And then I start funneling it back down until we got to a smaller number of ideas. But you need the enthusiasm as well within the startup thinking, we can change the world. We can do extraordinary things. We have all of these ways in which we could fundamentally change a business which hasn't changed much for 8,000 years. We can do this with this technology. And, and that motivates the, you know, feeding the world, revolutionizing, daring, all those things, even for people who've never had a dairy background. We've, we employ about 60 people and they're really motivated by what they do, coming to work knowing that they're doing something very significant. Wow. So if you have... If, if you're not in this space already and you have this crazy idea and you think that it could make a difference, what do you do with it? How do people go about introducing their ideas to the right people or the right companies that something can transpire? Probably not as many routes for to, to do this in agriculture as there should be. But classically, you would take your idea, if you know what the technology is, and you want to learn how to develop it and get people interested, you go to what they call a startup event or startup weekend. These are heavily sponsored by people like Google. I think they're run in 30 cities in the US typically. And that gets you in with the community of people and they say, oh, you need a marketing person. I'd love to help you. Oh, you need a financial. I'd love to help you. Second way it's done is a hackathon where you come with the problem. You say this problem on the farm and you go to an event where you have engineers and algorithm writers and they create the solution for you. So that's where ideas usually start. Once you have the idea and you have your team, you obviously need some financing. This usually comes from the three Fs, uh, not very nice, uh, which is friends, families, and fools. All of those have been known to put money into startups because, of course, a lot of startups don't succeed. So, you know, you, you, you're not sure which. Once you've got your seed money, then typically you start approaching um, venture capital. Uh, there are about 40 VC groups, VC funds that are specialized in agriculture. They may be happy to continue with you. They may say you're too early. You know, they all have different styles. And you can also, depending on how far down the road you've gotten, you can also approach corporates. Uh, Caintus was uh, invested in by Cargill. Cargill is the world's largest privately held company obviously $150 billion turnover agribusiness. So pretty cool company to get on, on, on board with your idea from the beginning. But you see companies such as your major equipment companies, nutrition companies, uh, supplement companies, genetics companies, all of them to various degrees 
are now engaging with startups, feeling that innovation doesn't come from just within a large organization, but quite often comes from, from startups. And uh, that's a good way to get funded as well. But, but whatever you do and whatever you think you're going to need, you're probably going to need more than you imagine. A lot of people think, well, if I had $200,000, I could do this only to discover it's 400, a million. And if it's a million, it's probably more than. So it, it, it's just be aware that, uh, you know, don't get overly uh, disappointed if you don't get traction too quickly. The, the road is not, not, not that fast. And of course, you have to have a fair amount of passion to, to be willing to, to embark on it. And I want to go back to a term you used, the, the agathon. Tell, tell listeners what that is. Explain that a little more. Okay, it's, I mispronounced. It's hack hackathon, so oh, it's where hackathon. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That makes it should be. Sense. It should but, be called. Yeah. It should be called agathon. But I think <laughs> you should you should trademark that phrase immediately. Come oh, right off this that. call and you know put your trademark in for agathon because I think that's a great word. It's gonna be mine. We'll host it at World Dairy Expo. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll be there. I'll be Perfect. there. Good. 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 Okay. So what is a hackathon? So hackathon is where a large organization. I try to give an example. An equipment company sees that they have a specific issue with, um, I don't know, moving animals along. And so they involve along a series of engineers and people write algorithms to an event, which is usually held for an evening or maybe a couple of evenings, sometimes even as little as four hours. And they say, can all the brains in the room work on this? And usually people are broken into teams and then the teams come and try to solve the problem. So they try to hack the problem apart together and at the end you know maybe the best idea wins a prize it, it's extremely effect we've even done it within Cantus, an extremely effective way to solve solve problems in a very short period of time so yeah hackathons not agathons but hackathons well if i can't trademark it you're welcome to you can uh, take that one and run with it <laughs> Good. okay so uh we're almost coming up on the end of this so i'm going to ask any uh closing comments from you on advice to give people who, who either want to start using some new technology or who have an idea and want to, to do something with it? Always happy to engage with anybody. I, I have a very active LinkedIn presence. I, I try to give my time to people who send me emails. You know, it's very hard to keep up with everything, but I, I think I do a pretty good job. Connect people. I'd ask, uh, you know, go to the World Dairy Expo, even if you're not not presenting or if you don't have a booth you're still going to meet a pile of people there there are obviously innovation events as well there are companies you can approach you can get some ideas from them as to whether you're on the right trail or not if you see things online there was another great event this morning run called global dairy talks four speakers including myself on on technology i think you get good ideas from those sorts of things read as much as you can again i i, I write for magazines i write my own linkedin page the articles are free of charge. You know, hopefully they give you some ideas about, I've written one specifically on dairy, but I also wrote one on the poultry industry, one on the swine industry, one on crops, saying these are the types of technologies, but also the types of problems that we are facing moving forward that you should have in mind. If it's dairy, carbon footprint, sustainability, I don't always agree with the comments that are made, but I know that we have to answer those questions. Animal welfare, show what a great job we're doing. Get, getting more milk cows or cows, very, very critical. Understanding what we're feeding them, very important. Um, just lots of great problems to solve. And I think lots of producers out there, they'll be willing to help you uh, get started. 
Well, there we have it. Lots of problems to solve. And Aiden is here to help as long as you find him on LinkedIn. So thank you, Aiden, for joining the show today. It has been a true privilege to have you on. Thank you. Great uh, privilege all mine and enjoyed uh, enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 